Well, hello and welcome to Tales from the Bay. Less from the Bay, but certainly tales, at least, that come out of the Bay. Uh, a brand new kind of 49ers podcast for the UK. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast previously uh, with the guys uh, from out in the Bay, uh, they, they'll be, still be popping up on the show as well. But what we figured is we need to bring a bit of British flair to this 49ers podcast, just give it a little bit of a UK twist. And I'm delighted to say that one of the finest watchers of 49ers football and one of the best follows on 49ers Twitter in the UK that's me, Will Gavin. Sorry, I'm kidding. Uh, alongside me, uh, Nicholas McGee is here as well uh, to talk all things Niners. Nicholas, how are you, sir? I'm very well. Oh, thank you. Uh, all the better for your uh, compliment there. You're too kind, my man. Well, look, just as people kind of get used to this, obviously we're going to be going through the current, the, the coming weeks of the season up until what we hope and expect will be a playoff run, maybe felt a little bit more positive about being even a Super Bowl run prior to this weekend. Although maybe Nicholas is a believer in Brock Purdy. We'll wait and find out on that one. But just before we get into that, Nicholas, talk a little bit about your 49ers fandom, how you came to the Niners and just give the, uh, the listeners a bit of your background. Yeah, I've told this story plenty of times. I'll never get tired of uh, of retelling it. Um, it happened about two thousand five, so not a not a high point in Forty uh, Niners history. They were certainly on a low ebb at that point. Um, it was around my birthday that year. I was only turning fifteen and had the classic British tradition of as you get older, you get a lot of money more than presents for your birthday. I had about fifty pounds uh, left to spend and went with my dad to. Uh, there's a white rose centre here in Leeds, a jewel of, uh, of, of South Leeds. Jewel of the West not... Yorkshire crown. <laughs> not affectionately known in, in any way, but uh, there used to be an old American sports shop there, which has uh, long since departed the, the building. Um, and I went in there with him and looked around at some jerseys and for a second, uh, pondered around some New York Jets jerseys until I was hastened away to a, a, a section of a shop that had uh, 49ers ones with an old linebacker by the name of Julian Peterson. And agreed with my father that the, the jersey was nice and bought it and decided to get plugged in and uh, joined the, the old message board. And the time where message boards weren't just resided on Reddit, there used to be one on the uh, official website there and made some friends there and eventually became a moderator of that. I still got the, uh, the Joe Staley autographed uh, picture behind me from, from that they gave me for, for doing that task. I even did that in the jacket, which I still have and can bring out now it's getting colder. And yeah, just progressed from there as more and more games got shown on Sky and have. Uh, Got more and more into it and learning the game and eventually went out there in 2013 um, before Candlestick was demolished to see them beat the Rams. They've been out there again since uh, in 2016, not been able to get back there since. Had plans for 2020, but we all know what happened in 2020, so that got, that got the, the, the kibosh put on it. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, continued to grow from there and uh, had so many friends and so many connections that uh, they have so many emotional ties to this team now that I can't see myself ever, ever getting away from them. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, similarly, I, I kind of, uh, I spent a bit of time in the Bay Area when I was younger. My old man worked for a, a company that had a base out in San Francisco. And the first game I ever watched on American TV was a Sunday night football between the 49ers and the Giants back in around similar era, a little bit earlier, around 2002, mm-hmm. 2003. I always say that if I'd got an earlier flight, I'd probably have ended up being a Raiders fan. <laughs> uh, but I, I instead, a 49ers fan, and you just, over those 20 years, you become diehard, don't you? You can't help mm-hmm. it. Um, and I mean, Nicholas, you're a guy who 
Uh, I, for, like I say, follow you on Twitter. You break down film now. You get pay real attention to it. You're out there putting clips out of the All 22 and stuff. So when did you start doing that and really trying to like engage with people on social and really get into like, you know, not just following the team, but actually kind of breaking down what they do? Yeah, that, I would say that kind of started around 2014, where I kind of uh, long since uh, finished university, I moved in uh, with my girl, girlfriend, now wife, into a flat in Leeds, and she started Game Pass started coming out, and it started progressed uh, from there. And as Twitter became more of a thing where you could develop a following by sharing your opinions and, and clips, and sharing those all 22 clips around, it just kind of blossomed from there. And that's the way you developing develop a lot of engagement and a lot of more kind of eyes to your work and your thoughts and everything so it's kind of blossomed since since there i, w- I would say and uh thankfully as uh, the nines have progressed from uh, away from jim the glory days of jim harbour and away from the drudgery of uh jim tonsula and chip kelly oh. it's, become, it's, become a lot, uh, I... it's become a lot more fun to break down and people are more engaged with more of the uh, diverse <laughs> uh, scheme of power channel I'm a big Tom Sula guy. I won't have anything bad said against him. Mate, oh, I, love him, a... I love him as a person. Uh, yeah, a better one. line coach than he was a head coach, maybe. 100%. But uh, look, we, this is the bit where we're meant to be chatting about ourselves and stuff. But we've got some breaking news, which I know isn't breaking news and doesn't work on a podcast. But it's glorious news as we're going to be talking about Jimmy's injury later. And we're going to be talking about Brock Purdy. <laughs> well, the news is Baker Mayfield to the Los Angeles Rams. It's only a very small contract, one point three five million, and you know there's even that potential for a for a late comp- compensatory pick if he ends up signing somewhere else this off season. But from my perspective, it wasn't a guy that I wanted to see come in and cause the distraction. I loved that you know Brandon Ayuk speaking this week spoke about the fact that he was going to be Brock Purdy and that's where he's going to ride with Jimmy Ward, who in uh, the post-game interview that we did with him on TalkSport uh, this past weekend just talked about his poise and how much he loved him. And so we'll hear that a little bit later in the show as well. But Baker Mayfield is coming to the division, just not coming to the Bay, Nicholas. Yeah, I think that's uh, great news that he's not being brought in uh, to the Niners. I, I wish this had kind of happened a week earlier, um, that he'd been waived and could have signed for the Rams and could have helped the Rams have better quarterback play against the Seahawks than they got from John Wolford. <laughs> and that game might have ended a bit differently and they might have done this, uh, San Francisco a, a huge favour. Um, but no, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think having seen a young rookie coming in a, in a pretty desperate situation and play pretty well, that you then want to upset the locker room by saying, here's Baker Mayfield, a guy who doesn't know, he knows all the similar offense from his days in Cleveland, but hasn't played well for a long time and would need the time to adjust to the system and everything. I don't think that would, that's worth upsetting the locker room balance. And I think Shanahan understood that by uh, quietly bringing in Josh Johnson for his 75th uh, stint to a different NFL team and then just moving on and saying we're good with what we've got. Right, we're going to talk more Purdy. We're going to talk more Jimmy coming up shortly. But first, let's get to our five things feature with this week. Features a man who absolutely tore it up during his first game back this week. Uh, Defensive tackle slash end. Plays a bit of both. Eric Armstead. 49ers defensive lineman Eric Armstead, now in his eighth season with the Niners, is a Northern California native and a huge force on the D-line and in the community. For the third consecutive season, Armstead is the 49ers nominee for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. His community-minded commitment to education is highly notable. He founded the Armstead Academic Project in 2019 to help ensure students have access to academic programs, school supplies, scholarships, and a support system. 
his own education in high school in Sacramento and college at Oregon saw him excel in both the classroom and two sports, as basketball is another love. So is chess, where he's competed online in over 2,000 virtual chess matches as a way to unwind and refocus off the field. The brilliant Eric Arm said that with our five things feature, Will Gavin, Nicholas McGee, uh, bringing you tales from the Bay. Let's get into it then. The big talking point off the back of that Dolphins win. You know, excellent victory. Started off this tough run of three games with Tampa Bay home next weekend, then Seattle on the short week on the road on the Thursday after. You know, couldn't have hoped for a, a, a better result. It's exactly what we were looking for from the game. The offense looked multiple. The defense absolutely balled out. You know, basically held to a Tonga Vailoa to one big play early in the game, which, all right, Mike McDaniels, we see you. We get that you're going to come out and you're going to show up a little bit and throw some funk at us after, uh, after your many years working with Kyle Shanahan. But basically, it was one drive outside of that. Four turnovers, really, really impressive. And yet still... When we spoke with Jimmy Ward afterwards and the general feeling is that feeling of has a Super Bowl run, as we were looking at, potentially come to an end because Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. Turns out it's broken ankle, foot. He's broken a few things is the way Carl Shanahan put it. Before we get on to Brock first, Nicholas, and you already said it, played pretty well and I've got some pretty positive things to say. I think, first of all, to say about Garoppolo is that this was both his best season as a 49er so far over those games he'd started for my money. And and also maybe proof that this system is, that's always been kind of considered quarterback proof, might actually finally be quarterback proof with the weapons that they've got there. Yeah, I, I completely agree uh, with you on the, on, the, on the first point, definitely. Um, Jimmy's final season, I'd say just for the character he showed, he'd be able to put up with everything before the season in training on the side field. And then uh, agreeing to come back as a backup and then immediately stepping in in the emergency situation when Trey unfortunately suffered his injury just speaks to his character and speaks to what kind of what kind of a guy he is. And you're right, after the uh, after the, the Seahawks game and then the debacle in Denver, which we won't <laughs> spend much more time on, he's he's played extremely well. Even in the games they, they, they lost against the uh, Falcons and the Chiefs, I thought he played pretty well. And he's, he's really developed and become more willing to push the ball downfield a little bit, but he's often criticised for not doing that. I thought he was getting better at doing that as well. He really looked at home and really looked like he might be ready to to lead this team um, to to a, to a Super Bowl. Um, whether that's the case now, I, I don't know if it's Super Bowl bust. It might just be playoff berth and we'll, we'll, see, how, we'll see how we go. It's probably how it works. I think I still think they'll make the playoffs. No, I don't there's any issues there. And you're right. Um, it's a... It's a I, said this on Twitter the day after the fact is that this was probably the ultimate win for the Kyle Shanahan ecosystem is that between the offense and the defense it proved that like this was against a team that themselves had Super Bowl aspirations and then the third string quarterback is able to pilot the team to a victory against a very very good opponent that even though the defense isn't their strong suit they still have some good players there particularly up front and they were able to do that and it was a victory for his system and victory for all the coaches that he's currently brought in, both on the offensive defensive side, showed how well they get this team prepared to beat anybody, regardless of the circumstances. It's very difficult to call the scoreline. Like, flattering is the wrong word, because mm-hmm. I think when you see the late touchdown, the late touchdown, the late field goal, coming off the turnovers, that it does suggest a slight inflation. You know, when they pulled it back to 23-17, I had some genuine concerns. And I do think that... 
there are red zone concerns and I do think that there were problems finishing off drives as much as there was a lot to like about the performance mm-hmm. on that side of the ball. Like You just have to look at the time of possession, which ended up being 40 minutes plus for the 49ers. Yeah. A two-to-one time ratio really just gave you an idea and they forced to, outside of the turnovers, multiple three-and-outs as well against an offense that's played incredibly well. Yes, they're missing both their starting tackles, which is never going to help, but Nick Bosa's getting in that backfield and wrecking shop. And I mentioned Eric Armstead already had a brilliant game, but uh, kind of the fact is, with all of that in, it's the focus is on Brock Purdy. And I love what he said about Jimmy Garoppolo afterwards, talked about what he'd done in terms of taking him in, being a brother to him, telling him the little things, his experiences, how they've helped him in his career. He said he shares them with him, not a secretive guy, not a guy who's been in any way difficult about that. I think we've had a lot of fortune in this organization when it came to Alex Smith with Colin Kaepernick and when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo, both with Trey and now with Brock Purdy as well. And if I look at Brock Purdy's performance, Nicholas, I mean... It was essentially Jimmy Garoppolo. If he'd had a 10 on his back, I don't think I would have necessarily even noticed. If I'd missed the first quarter, I would have been like, oh, it's you know, Jimmy's lost a couple of inches. But, you know, it, it, he did everything that I would expect him to be able to do in that system and actually made some really big pressure throws. Because what you saw on the other side of the ball from the Dolphins is... They absolutely brought the house. And yeah, I, I, I completely understand why. The guy who is technically Mr. Irrelevant, not so irrelevant anymore, Josh Boyer bringing a fifth rusher, sixth rusher on almost every down wasn't a surprise at all. But you look at like the third and 10 to George Kittle in particular, where Jalen Phillips is right in his face and he throws an absolute dart in stride in the perfect position. And I just thought, you know, for me, it's almost like he's the antithesis of Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance has that ridiculous ceiling and could be a very, very special player, but played less football than anyone else in the last three drafts in an FCS school in, you know, had all of those knocks against him. Brock Purdy started four years in, all right, maybe not a power 10 school, but at least a power conference school. And I think he showed all of that poise and all of that uh, experience and, it's a very small sample size, but I find myself kind of 48 hours removed, not thinking we can't go to the Super Bowl anymore. Thinking it take maybe it'll take more. Maybe it's going to really take, like, the defense can't take a day off, which can happen. You know, we can't have another game like that Chiefs game. I just can't work out if I'm just getting overexcited about something that's a very small sample size. Yeah, um, I think Sunday will be a big tell because that Bucks defense is better than what the Dolphins are. But you're right. Um, I think the key point is that he was decisive. The one thing, whether it's a running game with the running backs or a quarterback, the Shanahan system demands it demands decisiveness either way, whether it's hitting the hole as a running back or, or seeing it and throwing it as a quarterback. And he was that. Whether get, and he had a lot of free rushes in his face, but he was poised. Didn't have the strongest arm, but there was there was plenty of accuracy. He delivered some really really tight window throws to the likes of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Um, but he was yeah he he looked he looked very very good at certain times. He was very good at kind of manipulating coverage of his eyes. He was able to move defenders. Um, he showed the ability to like change his arm angle from time to time when he came under pressure. Uh, he would, would wait for the throw window to go open and hit it. He was yeah he there was a lot to like that. Um, he was supported by one of the better running performances I think we've seen in a, in a while. Um, 
from the Niners winning game with with Christian McCaffrey. I think he was not 100, percent but he fought through very well. And but it was again an asset in, in the passing game. You had, you had Jordan Mason, who I thought was excellent running kind of those wide zone runs and getting downhill in a hurry. And he's such a big man that he was del- delivering some punishment out there on the line. Played pretty well on the most for the most part, I think. Um, but yeah, the the arm strength isn't like anywhere near kind of top caliber. It's probably a little bit of a tick below Jimmy, but. In terms of that short, intermediate passing game that the, the Niners typically have been built around, and they've had Garoppolo in there anyway, there was nothing really to kind of knock too much. Um, occasionally held the ball a bit too long and kind of kind of showed some some struggles in, in the pocket a little bit. But this is where he kind of ran into pressure. He probably could have had the chance to climb the pocket and get it and get the ball out rather than immediately looking to escape. He's a bit more. I wrote down a bit more of an adventurer quarterback, whereas uh, Garoppolo was was kind of he would just see it and throw it. It's a little bit more adventure to Brock Purdy in terms that he will do things out of structure, but I think he can do everything that Garoppolo was doing, particularly in terms of that intermediate game. And yeah, I think it's just more of a wait and see kind of thing in terms of the Super Bowl. I mean, you have a lot of a lot of people telling telling you that they're you're crazy to even think that, but I don't think. I mean, we've seen. We've seen Nick Foles coming in the winner Super Bowl, and okay, Nick, Nick Foles had a lot more experience than Brock Purdy does at this level. But strange, strange things can happen, and once you have to get there, and you have to go from there. And the one thing this team will have now is it will have a lot of that that nobody believes in his energy. And as much as the, the Dolphins gave them bulletin board material with the the comments from Jeff Wilson that he most it in the lead up to this game just gone, there'll be a lot. Of, they'll have bulletin board material for the rest of the season with people telling them they can't win it and. They don't, they don't need it with the energy this team players most of the time. I also think that this Dolphins defense is uh, relatively underrated. Mm-hmm. I think people who maybe aren't watching film and, and paying kind of close attention, but watching, you know, kind of, uh, you know, people like I probably would be if I wasn't doing this as a job, red zone watchers and kind of uh, more casual fans won't consider them a top tier defense. But I thought they got really good play out of Christian Wilkins. I thought that uh, Zach Seiler was absolutely excellent this weekend. Uh, Bradley Chubb had some really big plays. They've obviously got that excellent secondary that I think people do know about with Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, like big playmakers out there as well. So this is he didn't do this against an absolute nobody. Yeah. I, I My concern is, and when you come back to what you said about the arm strength, is that is the downside, is that, and that's why he's the antithesis of Trey, is that Trey has that huge ceiling, but that much lower floor. This feels like a... A higher floor, but also the ceiling is, you know, there's only hobbits are fitting into this room, <laughs> not necessarily big burly men like you. And I'm sure I, um, I think that's where I get concerned that you come up against a really good defense who would do essentially what we did to tour this weekend, which is flood that intermediate level. I'm not sure anyone has a linebacker core as good in coverage as we as the 49ers do, but actually flood that intermediate level, make it very, very difficult to make the reads at that level, get pressure on the quarterback so they have to get it out early. And that's where I think there will be games where he does struggle, but I, I, you know, he couldn't have done much better out of game one. And I'm aware that we're recording this a couple of days uh, before it comes out. And so people will be aware of all this news and we're calling it breaking news when we're talking about it. But we have also just heard that um, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to require foot surgery. It's not a Liz Frank injury. And so he could return in seven to eight weeks. Now, in the words of uh, of Adam Schefter or his sources, that makes him a potential playoff contributor. I think if we're still in the playoffs, come what would then be the division, the the, I, not even the division championship. I think no, that would be the 
the actual conference championship game, right? If so. if we get to the conference championship game with Brock Purdy under center, I think you you turn into the O one Patriots and you have to kind of go. Sorry, Drew slash Jimmy, <laughs> but we've got to go with the guy that got us here. Yeah, the the immediate the immediate thought I, when you said that, an immediate thought I came to was was Drew Bledsoe immediately. It's that it's that parallel, and you saw people on ESPN this week saying it would go beyond the the Tom Brady thing, whereas you think it'd be tough to argue because uh, at least the, uh, I'm not overly familiar with Brady's with Michigan career. I was only ten at the time uh, when he, when he left. Trust me, those of us who were old enough to have, <laughs> have paid attention still didn't know much about his Michigan career. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure many of his coaches at Michigan knew much about no. his Michigan career. <laughs> so he had a bit maybe a bit more of a profile than Brock Purdy did in terms of playing for a, a real power real power school. So I think mean, they would definitely surpass that as well. Um, you're right. Is the, the ceiling is is going to be lower? Um, I had had the image of a static caravan when you were say, trying to describe kind of that box you fit into that kind that kind of thing. Um, and teams are going to they're just filming him already, so they're going to try and neutralize what he did well in that game. And I think it's going to be a lot more on, on the likes of Christy McCaffrey. You might see a lot more of what you saw towards the back end of last season when it was re- really heavily on Debo Samuel's shoulders in terms of that the screen game and getting the ball out of the backfield. I think you might if, if they've got to get Debo's calf 100%, which I don't think it was on Sunday, um, if they have an opportunity to get that right, um, I think yeah, that's probably because he's going to have a big load to carry as well if it's going to be Brock's show the rest of the way. Uh, look, right, we're going to give uh, our thoughts on some of the rest of the NFC coming up. We'll look forward to the Bucks game this Sunday night, which obviously we'll be covering on uh, TalkSport 2 and we'll be covering here on the Gridiron channels as well through Tales from the Bay. But before we get to any of that, let's hear from uh, safety slash kind of nickel corner Jimmy Ward as he's become over the course of this season. He's one of my favourite talkers in the 49ers locker room. And myself and Larry Kruger were l- lucky enough to jump on with Jimmy after the game, straight afterwards on Sunday. We broke the Garoppolo news to him about the broken foot, so you can just hear how difficult that news is, but also some very, very positive things to say about about Brock Purdy. 49ers safety, Jimmy Ward. Jimmy, are you with us? Yes, I'm I'm with you. Ah, hello, sir. How are you? How's the locker room feeling off the back of that victory? Everybody's excited. Uh, we're we're kind of down, you know, uh, starting quarterback went down. So, you know, we feel for him right now. But other than that, we're happy, you know, to come away with the win. Uh, Brock came in and he did his thing. It was just he had a tremendous game. And, you know, he put the team on his back and made some great throws out there. Bro, I mean, Jimmy, you, you, you practiced against... Oh, I was just going to say, Jimmy, you practiced against Brock a lot this summer. What we saw tonight is pretty much what you guys have been seeing in practice, fair to say? Yes, he, he man, he doesn't talk much. He, he, he carries <laughs> himself like he's going to be starting each game, just like his whole preparation. And one thing that surprised me is, you know, he's a rookie quarterback and he throws the ball on time. Like normally, you know, sometimes, you know, quarterback, Quarterbacks don't want to throw picks and practice and that, but he trusts himself. If he throws a pick, it, he's he's learning, so he's practicing like he's like he play. Like a lot of quarterbacks don't do that. Like they take advantage of scouting on they can't be tackled, but he practices. Good, good. Oh damn! My bad. Oh yeah, but he practices like he play. Sorry about that, Debo Jawal Bass. That damn man. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> oh, we got to allow for that. That's fine, Jimmy. Yeah, look, I, I, I have to say on Brock, I don't know if this came across in stadium for the guys there, but from here at home, after the first touchdown drive, he beat his chest and appeared to mouth what like to 
Must try to lip read at home. It's my time. Did he have that feel on the sideline? Kind of that carrying of the team, not being a guy having to be carried coming in? Sorry, say, say that again. It kind of skipped a little bit. Sorry, can you repeat that one Yeah, time? sorry. And it's also very British of me. I, I, it's very difficult. <laughs> uh, I understand with the oh, that's a cool accent as well. <laughs> cool accent. <laughs> that, that's, that's too kind. I, I was saying, like, we saw him beating his chest after the first touchdown and shouting about what it looked like from kind of lip reading on TV, him saying, you know, it's my time, it's my turn. Like, that attitude and that kind of coming into the game and being able to pick it up as that rookie... Is that what you saw from him on the sideline? Like an, an, almost an instant leadership to him. Yes, man. Uh, I didn't even see him beat his chest, but I just seen just like how poised he was out there, man. Like it's amazing. Like I'm saying, I haven't seen too many rookie quarterbacks come in in, in, in a game like that. Like that's a big game. That like that's a playoff team. Like I want to say they're either in number one, two, or three spot in the AFC for so. For him to come in and have that type of game is is amazing. Jimmy, you guys held the ball for 79 plays and over 40 minutes of game action. It was a 2-1 to one time of possession advantage. I'm just kind of wondering, you guys already have a fast physical defense. Can you play faster and more physical when your offense possesses the ball for two-thirds of the game? Hopefully, you know, hopefully we're not on the sideline getting cold. But, uh, yeah, we just feed off each other. Like if the offense, you know, making plays and, and pitting those long drives on, you know, we feed off that. And it makes us want to go out there and, and three and out somebody, uh, three and out the offense and to get the ball, offense back to ball, you know, so they can stay in rhythm. You had the the inception, the first turnover of that second half. That kind of swan dive over the receiver as well. I have to say, it was particularly impressive from our end. Uh, but also what we saw in that play was Eric Armstead getting right up to his face as he released. So tell us a little bit about that play, but also what Eric brought to the defense today. Oh, oh, that's big time. Eric being back, man, that's tremendous. You know, he's one of the guys who's very stout in that middle. You know, helps to uh, stop the run. Uh, about, I have to shout out to the other guys that was in there, too, while, while Eric was out. You know, they did a great job, you know, in his absence. But uh, on that interception, uh, it was a pivot route. You know, they, they run the same offense as us, so I know they like a lot of whip routes, pivot routes. So I just looked at it. Uh, it was kind of like a slow pivot. He kind of stuttered coming off the ball, so I said, okay, he's going to do a double move. And I seen the ball, a quarterback had pressure, and he just threw it, and then I dove and jumped the catch, caught it, and I tried to get up and, uh, you know, TD, but I think I got tripped up from behind or something. Well, it was a great overall defensive performance by you guys holding this team to 17 points. There was a lot of jawing early in the week from Mostert and Jeff Wilson about Jimmy and about this game. Uh, was there was, Did that jawing continue on the field today? And, and did you guys, did it add to your resolve to get this one? Because, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a rivalry between McDaniel and Shanahan. Definitely, you know, it was, it was a lot of... Uh competition out there uh both teams was competitive you know that they know us very well and we know them very well uh coaches and coaches and players and players so uh i know there was a few guys that was blocking me a little extra hard uh trent sherfield uh who scored a 75 yard touchdown he said something something sleek to me but i'm not a really a talker i kind of talk with my pad to him and i kind of write that down like uh i'll be i'll eventually go back to safety next year 
cheering. You got to catch the ball coming across them. And I remember that, and I'm, I won't take it lightly. The reports coming out now, Jimmy, I don't know if you've got them in the locker room yet, but is that uh, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo d did break his foot this evening and, and so likely will miss the rest of the season. It's obviously a huge blow when he's come in and performed so well in place of Trey. And we've talked a lot about Brock Purdy on this call already, but it speaks to that next man up mentality you guys are going to have to carry. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, we got a we got a good team. We got a stacked team. So you know that shows right there. You know Brock was able to come in and win the game for us. Like, and you know I was banged up at the beginning of the season. Eric Armstead just came back. Kinlaw out. Uh, you know a lot of guys been e man out. We had you know Demore uh, come in. Demo come in and he he just caught him a pick. Uh, so you know we got guys that can uh, always sub in because we got a lot of starters here. Even if you're not starting right now, you can eventually end up starting. And all you gotta do is just plug and play. What'd you think of the big boy, J.P. Mason? Man, I mean, he was impressive. Almost six and a half yards of carry. I was eager to see him. We finally got a chance to get some extended run. Nobody wants to tackle him, huh? That's my underdog. Uh, <laughs> that's my underdog, man. I love Mason. I remember when we first got in, uh, I was trying to get, we was doing, well, it was camp. We was doing like uh, point block uh, drills and stuff. So I tried to jump in and then I was like, man, Mason, let me go, let me go. And so I ended up missing it. And I was like, dang, man, I should have just let him go. So I ended up talking to him. I said, man, my bad, bro. I just wanted to go ahead uh, and get my, you know, my rep out the way. But it's just him, me, like it's, to me, I was just, I'm happy for him, you know, because he had a, you know, a great game. But it's just, I saw it back in camp. I seen how eager he was to go out there and do punt drills. And when we on cough together, he would tell me, hey, you don't got to worry about my side. Like, just, just stuff like that, man. Having young guys like Brock, like Mason come in and be confident and plug in and have great games, man. Like, that just show you how deep our team is and how tight our team is, too. It's a tough couple of weeks coming up as well, Jimmy. Started with today, but next week, the Buccaneers, you know, Super Bowl champions just a year and a half ago with Tom Brady and then the Seahawks on the road. Defining couple of games for you guys. I know I've only just got past this one, but a little, little bit of a side eye on, on beating Brady in that Bucks offense next week. Um, I'm just... Well, you know, we got to go to work when when it's time to practice, you know, got to wait for the game plan. And, of course, we want to go out there and and come off with the win. But at the same time, we got to put the work in and practice uh, and get to Sunday. Once we get to Sunday, then we, we're going to be locked in and ready to go. Jimmy, the, I get a feeling that there's no panic here if you guys have to go the rest of the way with Brock. Um, a win like tonight, you know, kind of stamps that uh, this kid can win games in the NFL. And he may be a rookie, but it's rookie in name only. He was a four-year starter, a very experienced player. Do you feel that confidence that the team has in Brock that you guys can win games going forward with him? Yeah, it definitely. You know, that's why that's why Coach kept him on the team. You know, that's why he made the team, and that's why he's been the backup all year. You know, you know, we saw it in we saw it in preseason, like how good he was, you know, how confident he was, and how he throws the ball, how he moves around in the pocket. Um, so it's not a surprise to us, to be honest. I'm just more I'm more happy for him. You know, that he you know that he's able to get his get his shot, and he's able to shine like how he did tonight. Well, today. 
Jimmy, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for speaking to us, both in the UK and upstairs in the press box as well. Congratulations on the win tonight. And let you say, next order of business, Tampa Bay next weekend. Thank you. Brilliant Jimmy Ward there, Will Gavin, Nicholas McGee with me, Tales from the Bay. Check out all the other stuff that Gridiron do across their fine channels at Gridiron, that UK Gridiron. And yes, we are a 49ers podcast here, but we're also just a pair of football nerds. So we care a lot about what's happening in the rest of the NFL as well. And of course, we've just been talking about still potential playoff chances. So let's talk about those other teams in the NFC, Nicholas, who we think... Yeah, we have some belief can go deep in the playoffs this year. Who in particular right now are you looking at and say we weren't having to look so internally with our own concerns? Who are you looking at in the NFC and thinking that's the team I don't want to face in January? Well, um, it's kind of a, it's been kind of in a conference of two, three for much of, or maybe four. It's, I'm still not buying into this Vikings thing, particularly after barely squeaking past the Jets on Sunday. I'm, I'm not buying that. I mean, I know they beat the Bills in that incredible game and the noises I made with that, that Justin Jefferson catch a few weeks ago. I think woke up half the street in my house. Kind of got <laughs> several stray dogs and cats with that when that when that happened. But I'm still not completely buying them as as being a serious threat. It's kind of been the Eagles, Cowboys, and then the Niners. I think. Both Eagles and the Cowboys looked extremely impressive uh, again at the weekend. The Eagles kind of really. Ridiculous all-around display. The uh, the ultimate maybe revenge game of AJ Brown against against the Titans. That was I wasn't expecting that by any way, shape, or form. And to do that to a Titans team that's been pretty stout against most teams across the season, be that the Chiefs or the Bengals, have given everybody kind of a game and made it go down to the wire. And they still the Eagles just made it a no contest. Um, An AJ Brown performance so good that the Titans fired their GM two days later for <laughs> letting him go out of the building. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> I think the, the first GM fired of a winning record in his career. I mean, it's a, a genuine kind of double take at my phone when I saw that one. Um, they're, yeah, they're probably still I mean, the most impressive. The, the organisation wouldn't pay him the money up front that he wanted in order to come in line with the other wide receivers in the market, which as we saw as you know, Debo fans and everywhere else, whether it was DK Metcalf, whether it's like everyone got 20 million plus, they weren't willing to pay him 20 million plus. So he asked to go elsewhere. I don't think that's John Robinson's fault, but there we go. Going off on a tangent, carry on. <laughs> it's still a conversation for them, but I'm sure we could spend a long, time, a long time on that one. But I think the Eagles probably still the most impressive. It's it's kind of blasphemous to say anything nice about the Cowboys on the 49ers podcast, um, given the history. They do look to me a bit better than they did last year. Um, particularly, I'm very, been very impressed with the offense after losing Amari Cooper. You didn't think they'd have the same level of weaponry, but it doesn't look to have affected them. Very impressive how that two-man backfield has, has kind of worked. It's finally submitted to some kind of balance between uh, Zeke and uh, Tony Pollard, ignoring the words of, uh, of Jerry Jones, actually written about this in the upcoming edition of, Grid- of Gridiron, that kind of the balance between the two, showing the value of a running back room, having the explosiveness of Pollard and the, the thump of, uh, of Zeke is really working for them and CD Lamb's been excellent and they're getting bits out of Dalton, so- Dalton Schultz and Dak is healthy and firing. I don't think their defence is as good as that of the Niners or even the Eagles, to be honest. You saw in the first half and a bit of that Colts game that they can be got at and it's just that the Colts collapsed into a puddle in, in quite a pathetic way in the second half there that kind of ran away with it from there but I think it's still the Eagles with the, the Cowboys a tick below and and not buying into the Vikings and we'll see where the Niners end up in the uh, the morass if Brock can keep this going. 
I, I think on on that Cowboys defense, which is one of those that has had a huge amount of praise, like there's there are obvious issues. Like Trayvon Diggs is is clearly a turnover machine, but also is a guy who gives up big plays regularly because he focuses so much on jumping routes. It kind of reminds you of early Richard Sherman before he got a little savvier and focused less on the picks and more on the coverage. Um, I still think they're weaker at linebacker than most, although Leighton Van Der Esch has, I think, stepped up more in the last yeah, two or three yeah, weeks yeah. to look like the guy that, that we expected him to be. And there's a few other players on that line who who have done stuff. I thought uh, Odegzua was much better this week. Dorrance Armstrong had a couple of big plays, but they are way thinner than the other teams. Mm-hmm. The Eagles remind you of that Eagles team that went to to 52 and, and beat the 51, 53, whichever one it was, uh, and beat the Patriots in in Minneapolis because they could just rotate constantly on that line and it made such a difference. And, okay, they are turnover heavy as well, which is proven to be less sustainable against good teams. But I just think that that lack of depth from the Cowboys when they're coming up against teams that are as multiple as the Eagles are in their run game and as we are in our run game, that will cause a problem for them. And of course, any team loses their best player, it's a real problem. But I feel like if the 49ers lost Nick Bosa, there is enough depth there that they will make up for it. Mm-hmm. They can't recreate what he does, but they will make they will find a way. I think if you lose Mika Parsons, then, you know, you might as well just not even bother turning up for the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. Sorry, Cowboys fans. <laughs> yeah, you you remove kind of the fear factor of that defence. And I think it was, it was for three quarters, there wasn't any reason for the Colts to be scared of them. But then the, the, the snowball kind of got going with several turnovers and then and that was it. And there is there is a, there is better depth. I've been impressed with Dorrance Armstrong all season. Demarcus Lawrence has looked a bit more like himself this, this season after kind of a couple of injury hit years, but yeah, Parsons is kind of the, the straw that, sir, that stirs the drink, as they say, and he's the one that, when they need that splash play, he delivers it. I'm not sure that they would, that you'd be able to ask Durant Armstrong and Lawrence and others to be able to fill that void of that player that the defence really has to game plan for. I think an other offensive line, if Parsons was there, would be relished a chance to just say, OK, we'll, we'll focus on Lawrence and we have to account for Armstrong and, and a few others in, in rotation, but if you remove Parsons for that equation, they've become a lot easier to game plan for. I, I do, just to make sure that we're not just focusing on those two teams, we, we're going to be talking about the Buccaneers this coming weekend. And I really was impressed with what they did over a two-week span prior to coming back from Germany because they finally got the run game going, a run game that had been going at 60 yards a clip prior to that, and suddenly they're picking up 180 on the grounds while they're in Munich. I, I, the comeback against the Rams was just classic Tom Brady last minute comebackery and then we saw that again against the Saints this week. I was astonished to find out that in 52 career uh, come from behind victories, the fourth quarter uh, victories. I was astonished to find out. I mean 52 is actually a quite low number for a guy who's been in the league for 25 <laughs> years anyway, but that's because they're often when it particularly when it's the Patriots because they're often winning games in the fourth yeah. quarter rather than losing them. I was amazed to find out that only twice as he come back from 13 points or more down, which was Thursday, which was Monday night against the Saints, and then Super Bowl yeah. 50. I mean, I've proven <laughs> I can't remember the numbers anymore. Uh, yeah. That one was 50, 52, right? That was 51, yeah. 52, whichever yeah. one it was. Um, <laughs> uh, like, those are the only two times to come back from 13 points. So I, 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 there's still part of me that looks at this and thinks, 
if Worfs is healthy, if uh, if Donovan's healthy, if the line looks good, they can still win those matchups in the trenches. And I still think they can cause people real problems. And they're the team that I refuse to write off, even though they consistently are this roller coaster of a team. And then, yeah, I, the Giants, the Commanders tying that game last week was bizarre. And both of them, I think, maybe don't have Super Bowl aspirations, but are threatening at being some kind of, you know, a spoiler in the postseason. Mm. I think they'll, one of those two teams will come in and knock out a divisional champion. And actually, the Seahawks are the one that I kind of feel the least positive about. If I'm, I mean, obviously, as a 49ers fan, I feel that anyway. But I don't know, like, that magic in the last few weeks just seems to have petered out a little bit. And it took some beating to beat mm-hmm. the Rams this week. And I just felt like that Munich trip and everything that they kind of did. I don't know. There's just, it felt, it hasn't felt like that absolute team that has just devastated over the last couple of, over the first couple of months of the season. Uh, maybe the talent's catching up on them. But what you can say about them, if we're going to be positive, is. For a Seahawks side that hasn't drafted well for like five or six years, man, have they hit in this draft. Mm, yeah. to, to, to get two starting tackles, two starting corners, and a starting running back in one draft is just practically unheard of unless you've somehow amassed like 10 first, second, and third round picks. Like it is unreal hit rate for them. And so they're going to be a force in the division for years to come, I think. I mentioned the Bucks there. Let's talk about um, Sunday. In the 9.25 window, it's both on TalkSport 2 and it's on Sky. What what do you think about this week game this weekend? I mean, we're, it, all the talk this week is going to be about Brock Purdy. But have you seen enough out of the Buccaneers to think they can come to the Bay and cause us real problems? Problems, yes. Uh, win the game, probably not. I think it depends. If the Bucs get, if if get ahead and they're able to kind of really get after, get after Brock, and we know he, he did well against pressure, um, last week, then maybe it's kind of more of a recipe for a Bucks win. But I think if the Niners are able to, obviously they'll defer the kickoff, they're able to get possession early and they're able to get get a lead early, then it kind of leads it into a scenario where you've got the Bucks chasing the game. I know you can bring back them 13 points down, but I'm still not overly convinced by by that offense. It looked obviously great in the in the fourth quarter after the the Saints had fallen over the ball 17 times and refused to go for it on fourth down and kicked however many. 20-yard field goals and make you want to tear your hair out. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah, they, they had a big part. You, you sound that. like a man who stayed up to watch Monday Night Football last <laughs> night. I actually didn't know. I, was, uh, I watched the first half and then watched the second half in amazement at Dennis Allen contriving to throw, to throw that away, um, which is bizarre. But, yeah, the defence is an uptick on the... The Dolphins is a better defence than what it was. Ollie Connolly has written about that in Gridiron for this for this, uh, for this month. The defence has improved, particularly with the addition of Bradley Chubb. But I think the, the Buccaneers is still a tick above. So that will be a tougher test to Brock. It'll be, probably be a lot harder to run the ball um, with those linebackers with Devin White and Levante David. Niners had a lot of success against the Dolphins in kind of moving their linebackers with the, uh, the CMC and... Debo Samuel kind of joint gravity and the motions and everything, shuffling out the formation and shuffling out, out wide and running plays and kind of like dictating the number count and dictating kind of the matchups that they had there. I don't think the Bucks um, linebacker will be as uh, willing to give that up as much. I think it'd be more like the Saints game a couple of weeks ago where you saw Demario Davis and, and Zach Bourne and Caden Ellis were a lot better, a lot more disciplined and really didn't give the Niners much. In that regard, so I think it'll be tougher to run the ball and tougher. They'll be a tougher team to manipulate. Um, so 
it will be a tougher challenge for Purdy, but I just think if Worths isn't still health isn't healthy still, um, then this is that's a, it's not of the same level as the Dolphins and they're just starting tackles. So if the books have got better up front as the season's gone on, but it's still a recipe for a pretty dominant defensive showing again. I don't see any reason with the way the Niners have been playing on defense why that should drop off. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of Tom Brady on the ground <laughs> in uh, in in week. Fourteen, as we are now. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're, with uh, Nick Bosa now streaking out into a lead mm-hmm. in that uh, in that sack race, I'd love for him to go and beat Alden Smith's record. I'd love him to go and beat the overall record. Although I am very much, it is on my radar, separate to anything Niners, that we need to switch to a per game basis on these records. Now we're on a seventeen game season. Mm-hmm. All this, yeah, he's going to break the record this year. He's like, got an extra game to do it, though, haven't you? Um, uh, whoever it is and whatever the record is. I think you mentioned Tristan Worth's health. I think that is quite key for them. But like you say, they managed to handle it better against the Saints defense, which obviously hasn't looked the same as last year, but has had games where it has done and did for large stretches of this game. I think the secondary is a bigger concern for me. Like when they've got Anton Winfield and Sean Murphy bunting alongside Carlton Davis. And I think Jamel Dean, his emergence this year has been sensational in place of those guys. But when they've got them all healthy and in a rotation, then it becomes one of the kind of best secondaries in the NFL. And it's one that when they were all in first and second and third year, they took them to a Super Bowl and won it. So if they are back and healthy, that causes more concern. If two or three of those guys are still missing like they were last week, then that can be a real positive for the Niners. But I still, I right now am believing in the small sample size. I'm believing in in the scheme. I'm believing in the coaching. And I'm believing that until I see differently, I will believe in the Niners continuing to be a very, very good football team and in the conversation for the best in the NFC. I'll just wait and just see Yeah, long. I get to hold on to that glimmer of hope for. Uh, before we uh, before we get to uh, the, uh, this weekend, of course, Larry Kruger has been out and about in the 49ers locker room for us in Santa Clara ahead of the matchup, catching up with the great and the good. All right, we're in the Niner locker room with Dre Greenlaw. Uh, Dre, big win over over Miami. Talk to us a little bit about what you thought of the game. Uh, I mean, just basically team win all around. Um, you know, you hate to see quarterback go down, but uh, for Purdy to get in there and step up and do what he did and to be able to, uh, to finish the game out and get the W, man, it's, it says a lot about our team and it's just the organization and where we want to be. Yeah, one of my favorite plays in the game was when Tyreek got the ball on the sideline and you're closing in on him. And everybody knows this guy's the most elusive guy in the game. But you right. took just the perfect angle and snuffed him out like a candle. Um, something that you worked on, something that you thought about all the time. Uh, no, it just comes natural, man. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, actually ran that play before. <laughs> he freaking just ran straight to the sideline and outran me. So uh, his game was on the line, and uh, I saw exactly, you know, they tried to fake the toss. and. I got him coming back, and last time I was a step slow on it, so I knew I had to book it this time, and I knew he was getting the ball. How are you physically feeling? I know a couple weeks ago I was talking to you, and you said, man, I'm, I'm, my body's banged up, but you're, you're flying right now, so you must yeah. be feeling better. Yeah, I feel I feel a lot better, man. It just comes with just, you know, part of the game, and coming in here and getting in the cold tub, hot tub every day, just trying to get my body back under me, so at least by Sunday I can feel decent. <laughs> yeah, they wanted us to ask you about the Pro Bowl. 
I mean, what, what would a Pro Bowl mean to you, uh, individual recognition? I mean, is that on your list of goals at the beginning of the year, or are your goals more team-oriented? Uh, what would making the Pro Bowl mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's not one of my goals, to be honest. I mean, it would be nice to get it, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, I mean, my goal is probably more probably always been team oriented. Like if I can get the win or if I can go to the Super Bowl or, you know, it's stuff that you want as an individual player, like, you know, tackles and stats and different things. But, uh, I mean, if that's what comes with being a Pro Bowl, then, you know, of course that's what I want. But, uh, I mean, I just play the game because I love to play it, man. I love to, love to compete. And, uh, I mean, if my teammates, my coaches, you know, think of me as a Pro Bowl, then that's what I am. It don't matter about what everybody else thinks. So. Your locker mate here, Brock, played a hell of a game off the bench. Have you? Do you remember a point in your history as a player at high school, college, Arkansas, where you didn't think you were going to play, you got thrown in the game? What's that feeling like? Uh, I mean, it's unreal, man, especially the day of when you're not knowing that you're going to play or not. So, you know, you, you come in ready, but at the same time, it's just like any other day. You don't think you're going to play, but uh, when you do get the opportunity, uh, you just that's why you that's why you stay ready you know what i mean so when you do get the opportunity then you know it's not like oh wow you know what i mean you saw this coming in your head a million times and now you're ready for it so uh you just kind of gotta you gotta prepare for it a long time ago and then like i said when that time comes and just like you did man that time came and um, he stepped up and, and, and made great decisions with the ball and I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see him do it in the next uh, next couple of days. Hey, last one for you. Um, the ball comes out on time with Brock right now. I mean, he's that's hard to do. Uh, he's a rookie. This game's fast. When you're watching him, you study quarterbacks every week. What do you think of the way he's playing at, without hardly any reps? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've watched him for the past what 13, 14 weeks now. Yeah. So I practice against him, man. I mean, he he's shown plenty of times that he's more than capable to be able to just make not only any throw but just you know get the ball out on time too as well like uh, he's 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 special the way that he you know know how to read a defense but he know how to manipulate a defense as well so uh, to see him grow uh, get better you know from where he's at already but to see him grow from that uh, it's gonna be pretty fun to watch so uh, he's only going to get better with more reps and time. So we just, as a defense, got to make sure we got his back. We're here in the Niner locker with Brandon Ayuk. And Brandon, how's the season going? Um, guys got a good win against Miami this week. Great win. Five in a row. Yeah, playing well. Um, at the beginning of the game, you and the uh, undrafted rookie free agent, man, you guys seem like you were drawing back and forth. What, was, he, uh, was he talking a lot at the beginning of the game? Uh, I think they all pretty much were. Yeah. Um, that's that type of game. I'm sure their coaches filled them in on what type of league it was going to be, and we were feeling the same way, so that's all that was. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us a little about what, what you thought from Brock. What did you think of the performance? He seemed like he put the ball in your hands a number of times. I think he did a great job. Um, I was happy for him for sure. Um, um, the fact that he was prepared, um, his week of preparation um, showed on Sunday. So um, this week when he gets a chance to – Go here and have a full year practice with everybody and kind of get in rhythm. Um, I'm excited for him to see what he can do. Yeah, again. is it, it? I would imagine it helps a lot as an offensive player, especially getting that week with the ones. I expect him to probably be better this week than he was last week. How do you see it? Yeah, like I said, he gets a week of preparation to kind of work with everybody um, and get a feel down rather than just being thrown as far on Sunday. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. Is, is it pretty much what you've seen in practice or since camp with him? He seems pretty consistent 
that uh, yeah as far as Brock as far as Brock is concerned as far as the way he's thrown it seems pretty consistent and he really has been consistent since minicamp yeah super 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 steady um, the way that he's gone about his business um, I think everybody in the locker room can respect the way that um, he does things and the way he shows up on a day-to-day -day basis so now that it's his his team for the whatever the case may be, um, forever how long that may be. Um, we're excited to see what he can do. Yeah, teams don't typically play or win games with their third-string quarterback, but I get a feeling that you guys really believe in this guy. You were asked this week about Baker, and you're like, hey, we're riding with we're riding with Brock. What's the feeling in here as far as, as, far as where this team is, despite the fact you're on your third quarterback? Um, I mean, I think it's just what the NFL is. It's all about the quarterbacks. Um, there's only 32 of them on any given week, um, so the talk is always about the quarterbacks. Um, but at the end of the day, he just he's a, he's a, our, the next guy up um, in our room, in our in our locker room, um, and we feel comfortable about, about anybody that we have in this locker room um, at any position. I just think it's more uh, so talked about and more so um, a bigger light on it just because it's the quarterback position. But we feel the same way from any position on the roster. What would it mean to you if to make a Pro Bowl? Uh, the Pro Bowl voting's coming up, and you're having a good year. What would it mean to you to make a Pro Bowl? Is it a goal? Is it a goal of yours, or do you only have team goals? <laughs> I play receiver. You know, I have my own individual goal. <laughs> um, but right now, um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really gotten into like the the Pro Bowl type of goals. I have my own um, professional goals, individual. Um, but I have a time to reflect on that, and that's usually when um, I'm cleaning out my locker and going home. Right now, um, it's December, and we have a chance still with our team goals. So I think my team, my personal and my team, and the team goals go hand in hand. Um, so I just how, look at it like that. How are you physically feeling at this point in the year? We're getting towards, you guys have been going at it since July. How do you feel physically at this point in the season? I feel good. Yeah. I feel good. Um, I think we, the whole team, our uh, training staff, um, our nutrition staff, um, everybody, our weight staff, they put, they've done a great job of putting a plan together and just um, kind of learn through the years on um, things that we didn't like, things that we didn't, felt we didn't do well or where we struggled at. Um, and we put together a good plan. And also my own uh, personal team um, in terms of being able to come out here day to day, um, every single day at practice, um, being able to perform the way I know how, and then also being able to try to get in the best um, shape and being prepared to play in games because I know it's a long season. We're still, we feel like we have a lot, a lot, a lot more football left to be playing. Like my cousin just came back home. He was out here. They're done with his college season. They're done. He's done. He's looking at me like, how are you guys still playing football? <laughs> um, and that's just what it is in the NFL. So um, I'm hoping um, to just continue to stay blessed and be able to um, have health and come out here and play the game. I love. Hey, two last ones for you. Um, you know, Brock came off the bench and played well. I'm just kind of wondering, I've watched you going back to like your sophomore year at ASU. I don't remember you coming off the bench, but you probably at some point in your career, high school, college, junior college, where you didn't know you were going to play and you just got thrown into the action. What's that moment like when you're getting your first taste of it? It's different. Um, it's, it's very different, especially just kind of, you know, there's a mindset that you kind of have, like that you kind of build into um, throughout the weeks. Um, knowing where you are in position based. Um, so it's like you kind of get in that mindset of, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. 
just that mindset of I'm going to go out there because you know you're going to go out there. Um, but it's kind of a different mindset when that's not the case. It's more so preparation. It's more so when my number's called, when my number's called. Um, so it's a tough area to balance because you can go one of two ways and you never want to go on the other side of that. You want to stay on the, the positive side so that um, when you do get your opportunity that um, you're in a clean headspace. So it's a little bit different. Hey, last one for you. Uh, Tampa, you've already looked at them on film. A lot of good young DBs over there. What does their defense look like to you? What are they, anything that you can share with us? I think we, I think they have a good unit um, in terms of DBs. I think this might be the best all-together unit, safeties, corner, nickel um, that we faced all year. I got to watch them on Monday um, against a team that we just played, so I watched them a little bit. Um, but they, they, they have some good corners, um, long guys that can run, um, so it'll be – uh, a good task for us this week, but as the season goes along um, and then we get to the midpoint of December, we look forward to those opportunities against great teams um, and great defensive units, so it'll be a fun one this weekend. Hey, appreciate you. Good luck the rest of the year. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Larry Kruger in the 49ers locker room at open practice, speaking to the guys, getting some great content for us on Tales from the Bay. So a bit of a different show this week. If it's your first time coming to us, welcome. We really appreciate you being along. We aren't just for Niners fans, but we understand if most of you are Niners fans uh, because we are a pair of Niners nerds. Nicholas, any final thoughts to send us out on? Um, I went on the spot a little bit there. Um... I really wanted just like a Brock Purdy till I die. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm fully on, on board with that. As uh, a man who's considered short at six foot one in the NFL, and a man of kind of diminutive stature myself, it's, it would be great to see a, a short, in inverted commas, uh, quarterback succeed and then lead the Niners deep into the playoffs. And uh, I'm I'm staying positive. I know a lot of people ready to declare the season over. It's not. It's certainly not over. Eight and four. They only need a really a couple of wins to get in the playoffs. And I see from the remaining schedule, there's there's plenty of opportunities to get there. So I don't have any doubts about getting the. Uh, about getting into playoffs, the big one I think will be uh, the the, next, the Thursday night football game against the Seahawks. Probably decide the division. I think, um, but I, yeah, I, I still see reason to be positive, particularly with the surrounding ecosystem that I point out that he's got he's got around him. And I I think the Niners will win a close one this weekend. Love it. Absolutely love it. Nicholas, joy to be on with you. Thank you so much for being with us. Everyone that listens, do hit us up on social media at Gridiron, at UK Gridiron on Instagram. Find us on TikTok as well. Myself and Nicholas are on there. Nicholas does some great film breakdowns and I occasionally just scream in all caps, Jeff Reinbold style on a Sunday night when I get angry. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, very different worlds, but uh, check us out on there. Thank you so much for watching, for listening, for getting involved. This has been Tales from the Bay. 